This is ESPN New York Tonight with Larry Hardesty and Gordon Damer on 98.7 ESPN. By the way, Jake the Snake and Brian the Brain are with me as well. And the reason why I mention them, I'll tell you about them in just a second. Well, we've got some interesting things going on in the world of sports. Baseball-wise, of course, the Yankees, they continue to roll. Uh, you heard the Yankee manager, Aaron Boone, on the Michael K show. You heard the Yankee closer, Clark Smith. On, not Clark Smith. Clark Smith is the starter. But you heard the uh, the uh, you heard uh, Holmes on the Michael K show. So, listen, it, it, was a, it was an interesting show. Those guys always do a great one. But the Yankees are the story. And they continue to roll. And tonight, without Luis Severino, who has been pitching very well for this team, right? 4-1, 2.80 ERA. This was supposed to be his 100th career start, but placed on the COVID-19 injured list. So tonight, I guess for the Yankees, it's going to kind of be like an opener, right? Because you got Clark Smith with the start. Now, he's 3-2 with a 3.26 ERA in 11 relief appearances, striking out 15 and walking 10 in 19 and the third innings. So, obviously, for me, bullpen night tonight for the Yankees. If they can get, listen, and the way this Yankee pitching has been, I have no doubt they will have a good shot at getting it. If he can get through the lineup once, if he can give you three innings smoothly, I think you'll sign up for that right now. You will take that and you will run. And then turn it over to the bullpen, the rest of the bullpen, which has been very good. Now, I, I I would suspect you won't see Holmes tonight, but maybe this is a king night to close, right? So we'll keep an eye on what's going on with the Yankees up in the Bronx against the Tampa Bay Rays. And this has been this is not the previous year's Yankees against the Rays at the stadium, right? This year the Yankees are doing a much better job. And to be fair. The Rays are not playing the same way that they've played previously. There's no question. They've made, what did I see the stat earlier, guys? 43 errors this year. Only the Chicago White Sox have made more, at least in the American League. 43 errors. This is not what you've expected when you've seen Tampa Bay previously. When you've seen Tampa previously, it's great pitching, solid defense, and they find a way to score. Sometimes home run, sometimes hit and run. You know, they were a versatile team with their offense. They have not been that way this year. So uh, even though they, even though they're still playing good baseball, they're still over 500, but they're just playing differently and they're giving some games away. So it's a little unusual to see uh, the Rays play they are. But as I mentioned, we'll keep you updated on that. And, of course, the New York Mets continue their series against the Milwaukee Brewers. Hope, hopefully they will have a better showing against the Brewers than they did last night uh, after the 10-2 victory. And uh, Ty- Tyler McGill, who has been fabulous. A couple of spotty outings before the injury, but uh, he'll be on the mound for the Mets tonight, and he will be opposed by Milwaukee's Aaron Ashby. And that game will get underway in about five minutes, so we'll keep an eye on that because <laughs> the, Atlanta, the Atlanta Braves just won't lose. 14 straight games. Okay, they have picked up, and this shows you how good the Mets have been. June 1st, they were 10 and a half out, Atlanta. Now they're five. So it took them, what, almost two weeks to pick up five games? And they had to win 14 straight to pick up five games. So when, when folks ask me, and, and you know, Gordon Damer asked me last night, how concerned, what does the lead have to get down to? And obviously... People were listening to the show because that's all I've been answering, seems like, all day today. About how you're nervous about the Are you scared? Are you concerned? What's going on? This is the way the Mets are. See, here we go. I told you. For, for, for Atlanta to pick up five and a half games, they had to win 14 straight to pick up five and a half games. You think they're going to continue to play that well? I don't think so. I think they will eventually cool off. All right, And once again, as, as a Met fan, you, you always expect Atlanta. You never count Atlanta out. You never do. They have a very good team. By the way, they're the World Series champions. And yes, they lost Freddie Freeman, but they clearly replaced him with a younger, better version. <laughs> All right? So, you know. Right now, all the Mets can do is 
beat the teams that are in front of them. And tonight is the Milwaukee Brewers. So we'll see what happens. And of course, also on the docket tonight, the NBA Finals Game 6. So here's the interesting thought process here. All right? Here's the interesting thought process. You you figure at home, Boston's bench is going to play better. Right? You figure at home, they'll be more comfortable. They'll ride the emotion of the crowd, including Peter Rosenberg. So they'll be yelling and screaming. And so I expect their bench to be better. I expect that Jason Tatum will be even better, but late. Our Pat O'Keefe had an interesting stat on Twitter I saw today. In the games that Boston has won, Tatum's been big in the fourth quarter. In the games they have lost, he has not been seen in the fourth quarter. So I expect that he will, this is an elimination game, and Golden State understands that Boston is going to come out on fire. You try If you're a Golden State fan, you want the Warriors to try to hold on to that initial onslaught of energy that is going to come out. Kind of like it did in game five, right? I'm mean, In game four, right? Where, you know, they came out and they were ready to put Golden State away and they were pushing them and beating up and, and just rolling. And then Golden State kind of hung on, they hung around, and then near the end they were able to steal it. So... That's what they can expect tonight. Uh, Boston's challenge is to make sure that they can maintain that energy, maintain that level, maintain that execution, and their tough defense for the whole game. It's going to be tough. On Golden State side, they were able to win with Steph Curry not hitting a three at home in game five. Okay, think about that. Steph Curry not hitting a three in his building in game five. I mean, listen. I mean, he, he he had just 16 points. But it was the other guys that helped him out. So I don't expect that Curry will have another game like that tonight. But I would not be surprised. I Once again, I picked Golden State in six. Would I be surprised if... Boston wins and forces a seventh game? No, I would not be surprised. And listen, who loves a seventh? You love a seventh game, right? That's what sports loves, a seventh and deciding game. You just love that. You love it. So um, that's that's what we got on tap for tonight. 1-800-919-3776. Also on Twitter, at Hardest the ESPN, at ESPN NY, 98 underscore 7 FM. By the way, we have a poll question up for you, and um, – this is courtesy of Jake the Snake, and I'm going to – I just – he – I tightened it up a little bit. He had a nice, long, flowing, beautiful question. But I just, you know, I, I, I just decided to uh, tighten it up a little bit. So here's, here's, what, here's, what, here's our question. Very simply, okay, very simply, which is New York's biggest rival? sports rivalry which is new york's biggest sports rivalry is it islanders rangers or rangers islanders is it knicks nets or nets knicks is it mets yankees or yankees mets is it giants jets or jets giants depending on which way you look so damer's singing with mccartney tonight and i'm singing with you at 1-800-919-3776 before we get to the phones this this poll question when Jake and Brian and I were chatting about it, it's fascinating to me, and I'm going to tell you why it's fascinating. Because it really, what really it hinges upon is what do you consider a rival? Okay? Because as one person has already pointed out on Twitter, that other than Islanders, Rangers, who are in the same division, like Knicks Nets, that's it. Knicks Nets are the only team that's in of the four that that I put up. Those those are the only four that those are the only two groups of teams that are in the same division. And to be honest, and I don't want to influence the voting, but Knicks Nets really, it's not a rivalry. 
because they both very rarely have been good at the same time. You know what I mean? Does that make sense? They both very rarely have been good at the same time, even in their division. Now, I will say this. As far as dislike, which is another part of a rival, that you just dislike them because they're in the same city or the, your, your team is just better or whatever it is, um, I think there's a little... the. the the distaste from Nick fans to net fans has ratcheted up once Kyrie and KD came here. Okay. I, I think it ratcheted up a little bit because Nick fans were deluded. Oh, KD's coming to the garden. Bring Kyrie. Oh, it's a done deal. It's got to happen. And they came to New York. They went through the Lincoln Tunnel. And they headed straight to Brooklyn. <laughs> they passed the garden, but they went straight to Brooklyn. So I'm sure from that standpoint, there's a little bit of a, you know, a little uh, from the Knicks fans to the Nets fans. Okay. And so I think that makes it interesting. But Jets, Giants, I mean, from a football standpoint, uh, you know, to me, it's kind of, it's like Mets, Yankees, and Islanders, Rangers, I think, are the top two. Mets, Yankees a little bit because, once again, they don't play each other, and, and they really have the Mets and Yankees. Well, the Mets haven't been good consistently like the Yankees have. Like the Yankees have been a team that's had sustainable success. Have they gotten to the World Series the way Yankee fans want them to? No, they haven't. They haven't won one since 2009. But they've been in the hunt. and. For the Mets fans, that's not always been the situation. The Mets have not always been in the hunt. Okay, for a full season. But I, I, I tell you, the Rangers Islanders, that's that's always that's a good one. That's a major one. That's a major one. So I'm very curious to see how you guys will vote. We'll check in on Twitter in a couple of minutes and give you an update. Once again, our Twitter poll question tonight. Which is the biggest New York sports rivalry? At hardest to ESPN at ESPN NY 98 underscore 7 FM. Uh, Bryant, which of the four is your New York biggest sports rival? Ooh, this one's tough. It's definitely not Knicks and Nets. And mm -hmm. I would not say Giants and Jets. It's not there because mm -hmm. they're not, like you were saying, not in the same division. Mm -hmm. um, the Mets and Yankees, I guess, they're in different. I know American League, National League. Mm -hmm. I do. <laughs> I still remember the 2000 World Series, and that was huge. Yeah, so I, I, for me, that was a huge rivalry. And mm -hmm. like, I guess like I always had arguments in school with uh, Mets fans and Yankee fans, mm -hmm. of like who's the better shortstop in New York, and so sure. Forth. So that for me means something. But I know like I'm like slowly getting more into hockey. Uh oh. Uh, so like Islanders and Rangers is definitely up there. Okay. So I'm for me it could be a toss up between those two. Okay. Jake, what about you? Well, good evening, Larry. Um yeah, when we talked about this the other night, I think it was Tuesday night working ESPN New York tonight with you and Gordon. The reason why I brought it up in the first place is cuz we had so many callers calling in and it was on both sides of the New York baseball teams. We had Mets fans calling in talking about the Yankees and mm -hmm. then we had Yankees fans calling in talking about the Mets. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of and then off air, we were like, why do Yankee fans care about the Mets? And why do Mets fans care about the Yankees when realistically, as you just mentioned, they're in opposite leagues. They're not in the same division. They only play each other a few times. Of course, bragging rights in New York City would be a big deal. But for some reason, Yankees and Mets seems to be, in my opinion, arguably the biggest rivalry in New York. And I know Islanders, Rangers, you guys just mentioned is up there too. But it is funny because out of the teams, I'm a Yankees, Giants, Knicks, and Rangers fan. But out of the four other New York teams, I actually dislike the Nets the most. I don't really hmm. care for the Mets. I don't really care for the Jets. And I don't really care for the Islanders. But for some reason, I just dislike the Nets. And maybe Why? it's because maybe it's because Durant and Kyrie Irving kind of diss the Knicks to go to the Nets. Mm -hmm. And they try to make Brooklyn the cool thing. When in mm -hmm. reality... <laughs> 
didn't really end up that well. I think the Knicks and the Nets had the same amount of playoff wins this year, so uh, a little bit of a burn there. Um, sorry for all the See, there eight, you go. Uh, the eight Nets fans right now are certainly really <laughs> mad at me. But regardless, I mean, you guys are saying it's not a rivalry, but they do play in the same division. Mm-hmm. The games the last few years since Brooklyn has gotten Kyrie and Kevin Durant have certainly been you know, really intense. So I think that even though if you look at the poll numbers, I don't want to spoil anything. Mm-hmm. It's kind of kind of in last place. But mm-hmm. I do think the Knicks-Nets rivalry is certainly over the years growing. But and, and once again, it's going to be interesting to see if the Knicks are able to get better, right, where they get to the postseason again. And you have that scenario where you, not only are they in the postseason together, but, guys, they end up meeting in the postseason. See, that's where you really start getting that that real juice about it. Uh, you know, that's where you really do it. I just think part of it, and the other part of it that's interesting, is the amount of fans that you have. And, you you know, you snickered about it, give, giving net fans the side eyes you did there, Snake, by saying, you know, all eight net fans. And so it's – the Nets are a tr- – a growing but yeah fan all, base. all jokes aside I, I know I made a little joke about the eight mm-hmm. fans you certainly see because of Kevin Durant and because of their it's definitely growing yeah and you know if you looked at the games a couple of years ago at the Barclays Center it seemed like it was MSG you know part two all the mm-hmm. Knicks fans were basically going to Barclays Center making it a Knicks game but I think over the last couple of years you certainly see more than eight Brooklyn Nets fans in the building so yeah the Nets fan base, and if they do continue, I, I know they didn't have the end result that a lot of people thought they would. They were mm-hmm. one of the favorites to win the title before the season started. But next year, if they do make a title run, I do think their fan base will continue to grow even more. Yeah, I agree. And it's going to continue to grow. It is because, you know, as Brooklyn becomes more and more ingratiated with the fact that we do have a professional basketball team here. Um, they're going to get more people. And they and as their success grows, you know, it's about the bandwagon. Bandwagon gets a little bigger. More and more people jump on it. So uh, it, it is going to be interesting to see. But uh, I think it's a great question, and you guys can weigh in. Which is New York's biggest sports rivalry? Is it Rangers-Islanders, Knicks-Nets, Yankees-Mets, Jets-Giants? Or is it Islanders-Rangers, Nets-Knicks, Yankees-Mets, or Giants Jets. 1-800-919-3776. Let's go to the phones. Spike is in St. Pete. Spike, you're batting leadoff on ESPN New York tonight. Good evening, my friend. It's an interesting question, but it's an easy one for someone who's uh, seen all of them from pretty much inception. Well, not the baseball. It's, <laughs> it, I'm not a big hockey fan. I mean, I was this year. I jumped on to watch it because it was exciting. But it's Islanders Rangers. The feistiness there, they still chant from the Potvin days. You know that yeah, chant. I do. They still do that. Yeah. But but the comment, the other comment, that the Yankees are playing incredible baseball. The Mets are fine. Yeah, I heard Scherzer's going to throw. Atlanta's beaten up on the Nationals. You're too much of a uh, diehard Met fan like my other Beaver friend, who I want to talk to you about in a second, sends his regards. He said, uh, well, he says, the Mets are slipping. I said, stop it. Stop it. <laughs> won, 14, won 14 games in a row. Scherzer's coming back. You're going to be fine. What's Larry say? He's saying, you guys are so identical. I'll try to get you together. Maybe God willing over the summer. You're mm-hmm. so similar. Really, your backgrounds and all, and even your attitudes. So we broke down the the Celtics last game. Okay. Uh, okay. So uh, I, I uh, messaged you and told you I saw Tony Brothers. I knew it'd be one of those games. So a lot of remarks made pre, and my buddy says I can't stand it when it's the officials. I know you track them. They got Brooklyn's own Zach Zaba tonight as the lead official. Uh, probably if it goes seven, Scott Forster. Look. There were a lot of things in that game were very hard for purists like you and I and my buddy and the rest of the listeners who follow it as intently as we do. There were some plays where we know Marcus Smart got them back into the game and then made that stupid standing there call arguing. Uh, he's the guts of that team. Uh, Jason Tatum's been exposed. He takes a lot of bad shots. He made some of them. Uh, Jalen Brown, they built a wall. Uh, they changed their strategy, as did the Celtics when it came to Steph Curry. These are two incredibly strong defensive transition teams. 
They're not half-court teams. You know that. They're right. just great defenders, Larry. The fact that Golden State probably shot 22% and Curry missed nine, and they still won the game because Boston had 10 or 11, I'm pretty close, more turnovers, it was yeah. sloppy. And you played, and you were a pivot man, and rebounded and boxed out. Well, you didn't play, right? Yep. It, it's, it was so upsetting and yet so intriguing. The play, like Van Gundy said it on K one time, people don't want to see 90s basketball anymore. You know, they don't. Mm-hmm. And that's what that game turned into. You know, when you get there, as explaining, and we, we will explain it to some other people who hopped on our call, and we, if the guy sets the screen and then the guy rolls to the basket and then the helper comes, I know it's technical to some listening, not to you, mm-hmm. what do you do? If the guy who gets beat gets back into the play and comes comes on the blind side and they all collide, is it a block or a charge? You can't figure that call out. Am I right? No, you can't figure it out. And it, the sad it's thing, and here's the sad thing about it, Spike, and thanks for the phone call, my friend, and, and give uh, our beep fellow beaver friend a hello. Here's the sad thing about it. It doesn't it doesn't matter whether you're in front of the in the line in the paint, because every official interprets it differently. Some will interpret it that you have to have you have to be standing there and not move. Others will say it's okay if you move, and 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 some will some will some will lean toward the offensive man because on most in multiple times in this series I have seen on both sides, Warriors and Celtics, the offensive player use the off arm to to create distance between themselves and the defender. Sometimes it's called, sometimes it's not. So that's the biggest problem, okay? They're interpretive. And you thought, and basketball fans, you thought that when they put that little little, little half, half little circle in the painted area and say if you stand in front of there, it's a charge. If you stand there and if you're inside the circle, it's, it's, a, it's a, the foul's on the defender. If you're outside the circle, the foul's on the offensive player. <laughs> right. No, I mean, to get off to this kind of start, it's 100 games left, and when we do look at it that way, I look at it, though, as we have made a great deposit. You know, we've put a lot of money in the bank, and you know at different times over the course of the year that you're going to have to make withdrawals, and the fact that we've got off to this kind of start and racked up a lot of victories makes those inevitable tough stretches, or you have a rough week, or whatever it may be. We've put ourselves in a good position, and now we've got to go continue that, and the good thing is with this group, I know no one's really satisfied with that or that in awe of it frankly it's about today and trying to go out there and do everything we can to get another victory as Joe Torre used to say momentum is your next day starting pitcher and that's Clark Smith who's doing pretty good no score up in the Bronx between Tampa Bay and the Yankees as the Rays bat in the second inning and the Mets having one nothing lead on an RBI from Jeff McNeil as the Brewers bat in the top of the second. It's Hardesty on ESPN New York tonight, early edition on 98.7 ESPN. Uh, Aaron Boone is right. It is still a long way to go this season. Still over 100 games. But when you played at the clip that the Yankees and Mets have played, you have margin for error. You have breathing room. Now, does that mean, am I sitting here saying to you, okay, so that means they can lose 15 in a row and they'll be okay? No, it's not what I'm saying. But there are going to be streaks. Just like they're really winning a bunch of games, they can lose four or five. The talent, though, prohibits them, in my opinion, from losing a long, going on a long losing streak, right? That's not the whole idea of saying, okay, well, wow, they just lost... The process, and I'm not trying, let me knock wood for, for both teams, okay? The idea that both these teams, with the talent they have and the pitching and stuff they've done and even survived some of the injuries that both teams have survived, the idea, the thought process of them going on a long losing streak, I don't see it. I think there's enough talent. There's depth in the pitching staff. There's depth on the everyday players. You have the opportunity to rest and rotate your guys. I just don't see either team going on a prolonged losing streak. Once again, in the whole idea about how hot 
Atlanta has been to cut the Met lead to four or five, whatever it is, at the start of the day. And they were 10 and a half out on June 1st. They had to win 14 straight to get to this point. And the Mets did not play under 500 baseball. That's a lot. That's a lot to, to ask of a team. So not that I'm saying that it's over. I'm not saying the race is over. Okay, either one of them. That's not what I'm saying. But what I am saying is by having this type of a start, it really gives you a good feeling and gives you the confidence that all you have to do is just play every day. Play every day and win series. That's my motto. If when you have leads like this and you're playing this way, you play every day and win series, you'll be okay. And the Mets went through this, their series, their gauntlet, all right, uh, a couple of weeks. Dodgers and Padres and Angels and now the Brewers. So this is, and of course, they've got the Marlins next. So this is their gauntlet. Now the Yankees are at their gauntlet. They've got the Rays. They've got the Rays again. They've got the Jays. Okay, so we'll see. We'll see just how well this Yankee team has been. And I'm telling you, even though the Rays are clearly better than the Cubs, Yankees still found a way to win those games. So when you hear people say, oh, okay, well, it's who you've played. This, this is not – we're not at the park where you say, okay, I want to play those guys over there. This is not what this is. You play who you have to play on the schedule. Okay, and your job is if they're not good, beat them. And if they are good, hang in there and find a way to beat them. And if you don't beat them because they're they're a better team, take the series. And you're still okay. And that's your role. By the way, that was Aaron Boone speaking on the Michael K show earlier today. One of the big questions, obviously, because it's been a debate. Folks have been wondering. Folks have been talking about it. They can't believe it when he when Aaron Boone hinted, hinted that uh, Clay Holmes was not going to be the closer when the Raldis Chapman returned. So the guys asked him about it. So Aaron Boone, how will you utilize Clay Holmes? I'm going to put Clay in the what I think is some of the biggest situations. You know, you look at like the Toronto team. You know, if 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 we have a situation where Chappie's back, and and for, we got to get Chappie back, and we got to get him back to throwing the ball well, and hopefully, you know, and I feel like I feel like he's trending in a really good direction. I feel like he's doing some things delivery wise that are going to get him back to where we need him to be. Um, so you know, let's say you're playing the Blue Jays for example, and and the eighth inning in a one run game, it's Springer, Bichette, Vladdy, Kirk coming up to bat in the in the eighth inning. Clay Holmes is pitching that inning. Um, so, and then we'll figure out the ninth. So, um, that's more my point. He's been uh, he's been pretty good, hasn't he, Aaron Boone? Clay Holmes. The bottom line is, I'm going to put him in the best position. Sometimes. Sometimes, Michael, the, the the game is in the balance in the eighth inning, and that is the closing lane. But there's no question that Clay Holmes has asserted himself as, you know, probably the best reliever in the sport right now. And, you know, he's going to close games, but he's going to pitch in, in the most important times. And, and hopefully we get, again, guys like Loisaga and, and Chappie back and, and, and pitching like we know they're capable of. And if that's the case, then we feel great about you know, what we can do in any, in the back end of any game. As I mentioned, Clay Holmes was also on the Michael K show and he was asked what has changed for him since leaving Pittsburgh and putting on the pinstripes. Let's talk about the process a little bit of kind of just, you know, things that I knew that was going to you know eventually lead to success. I felt like I was getting pretty close just with some things in Pittsburgh, just with my sinker, my delivery. I felt like I was really starting to find some things that were working, which, you know, I knew with some time was really going to put me in a good spot. But I don't know, you know, maybe there's just the mindset of just pitching in, you know, with the Yankees and expecting to be great, expecting to win a World Series, pitching in the playoffs. I think just that mindset of pitching for the guys around me were all trying to you know end this together and expect to win just was kind of a new energy for me and I think it I started to build off of it found myself in some pitching in some you know bigger spots and I think it led to a little confidence and started to see how good the sinker actually was especially when it was in the zone 
He flirted. He showed you some signs last season, but he has been lights out this season. He and uh, Michael King have been just unbelievable in the Yankees bullpen. So, you know, those are part of the reasons why, you know, the Yankees continue to do well and have played well this season. Can you imagine a lot of teams in Major League Baseball, you lose your closer? Ah, that's that's You're scrambling, trying to figure out who's going to be that person. You're, you're, you've got bullpen by committee. You're doing a whole lot of different things. And so the one thing that the Yankees have been able to do is find some young arms, bring them up. And, and remember, Loisaga has been out, and he really hasn't been Loisaga this season. Okay, so you have him coming back. You have Chapman coming back. So, you know, you, you've, got, you've got guys who have proven track records coming back to, to provide even more depth for you bullpen-wise. It's going to be fascinating. It really is. Lose him in Alapin. Hey, Lou, you're next on 98.7 ESPN. What's going on, Larry? Happy to be on. Hey, Lou, what's up? Everything well? Great. So you? I wanted to, uh, to tap into uh, I want to tap into this rivalry discussion you opened mm-hmm. up. Yep. And uh, for me, it, listen, I'm a, I'm a Mets, Jets, Knicks, Ranger fan. And, and as the Nets and, and Knicks rivalry is going gonna, is gonna to pick up in these upcoming years, and uh, – we know the history of the Rangers and Islanders, and that's a, a great bloodbath of a rivalry. I think the obvious answer, and, and as weird as it is, the interleague rivalry of the Mets and Yankees has to be number one in the city because, of, of first off, this season shows you the investment that both teams have with what, what both teams are doing, both being in first place. But more importantly, I think it goes past this year and, and, and to our forefathers of, of – the Giants and Dodgers in the National League playing against the Yankees so many times in the World Series, and and that hate for the Yankees from the National League side just being passed down from generation to generation. You know, a lot. At least my grandfather told me when the Dodgers left, there was no way he was going to become a Yankee fan. And my father used to tell us when we were kids, when we were children, when we were getting invested in baseball. If you want to put on pinstripes and you want to wear that navy blue hat, you have no business living in my house. Wow. So, you know, when <laughs> when when it comes to when it comes to uh, you know, the rivalry, I think that that the Mets and Yankees still have that fire and and, and maybe some Yankee fans see it as as mostly a Mets-sided rivalry, but I think that the Yankee fans still, you know, if there is another Subway series, I think they have to to be they have to be intense about it as well as as the Mets side of it, because who knows what could happen, you know? And, I mean, baseball's king in the city, and let's go Mets. All right, Lou, thanks for the phone call. And, and listen, the Yankee fans are going to be intense because they don't want to lose to the Mets and have to hear about it. Part of the reason, and this kind of transcends whether you're in the division or whatever, but being in the same city, and both Brian and Jake touched on it, it's about – what you have to hear when you go to school, what you have to hear on the playground, what you have to hear when you're talking to your boys, what you have to hear, ladies, when there's Manny Petty. All this, all this stuff, okay, all this is what brings forth the attitude about a rivalry. And for the Yankees, it would be – Yankee fans were like – how could most, and we're not saying all in, in all instances, most, a part of, many, whatever adjective you want to use, it would be, we can't, can't lose to the Mets. How could we lose to the Mets? <laughs> that would be the attitude, right? And if they won, what are they going to say? You know you weren't beating us. We're the New York Yankees, right? So it's, it's, that's what really adds to it. It's that it's that conversation when it's the arrogance of the fans to match the arrogance of their team in a lot of cases, right? So that's why I think it's an interesting question. It's our Twitter it's our Twitter poll question tonight at Hardesty ESPN at ESPN N N Y ninety eight underscore seven FM. Very simple question. What is New York's biggest sports rivalry? I'll give you what some people have answered and some numbers. That's next on 98.7 ESPN. So 
Biggest New York sports rivalries. Here's what a couple of folks had to say before I give you some numbers. Uh, under the handle at Will Wiegelman says, anything that Isles Rangers is wrong. The baseball and the football teams are in opposite conferences, and the Nets have only been in New York for a hot minute. At NY Cool Runner says, has to be Isles Rangers. Only other divisional matchup here is Knicks-Nets, and it's been pretty meh. Hmm. Here's some more. Uh, at Cool Car G, Jake cracking jokes on the Nets, but Nets haven't lost in the last seven games to those bums. Uh, hold on, Jake. Another one. At Neil Aces 9915. He sent a video, by the way. Nets won seven in a row. Knicks are no rivals to the Nets other than the fluke last year. Knicks haven't made a playoff since Jason Kidd was a Nick. At, uh, at Sakim 13 says, the default answer is Isles Rangers. Okay, so that's how folks have weighed in so far. And um, so, Jake, what do you have to say about that? Hey, I never said the Knicks are winning the rivalry. <laughs> Let's just get that clear. The Knicks, <laughs> Knicks against anyone. Usually don't. <laughs> yeah, that no. seems like, no, what no, was no. it, bing bong to ping pong? But yeah, yeah. it's funny because I, was, I went to the Yankees game last night mm-hmm. and, you know, great win. And we're walking outside the stadium and there's a group of people chanting a word that I can't say on the radio and then Trey Young following it. And it's like a year later, (laughs) even after a season where the Knicks were absolutely terrible, you know, Knicks fans are still holding on to that one win in round one of a playoff series. So that's why I mentioned on air the other day, as great as this Rangers run has been, and you know how many people jumped on that bandwagon, and I I totally get it. They were a really fun team. New York hasn't had a team and they like have that success and they kind of came out of nowhere with the success. So I totally get it. But my point is, if the Rangers had this kind of buzz around the city, if the New York Knicks were in Game 6 of the Eastern Conference oh, Finals, the city would literally be burnt down. And yeah. that's because the Knicks fan base is one of the biggest fan bases in all of sports. So, you know, the Nets, yeah, you might have won the last seven, but how many people really cared about it? Bing bong! So, realistically, you can say what you want. The Nets are clearly the better team and have more talent. But if they don't win in this next what, two, three-year period, then all of these moves that they did were for nothing. So you're in the same boat as the Knicks. So that's all I got to say about that. Yeah, I hear what you're saying. And and once again, it's it's a the – Nick, the Nick fan is a passionate, uh, patient fan. That's what the Nick fan is, passionate and patient. Uh, sometimes a little delusional. <laughs> because you keep hearing names of people that want to come and you know, like you have to take a step back and say, okay, that hasn't worked before. We, w- let's not, let's not do that again. We've seen that and that we've seen that movie. Larry, you know how it turns out. When I go on dates with girls and they say like, oh, are you loyal? I say, I've been a Knicks fan my entire life. I, I, I don't have to tell you how loyal I've been. I've been following this team around for 28 years. So I get it. The Knicks, And people now are talking about Russell Westbrook. Is that really the move that the Knicks need to do? Get Russell Westbrook now at the end of his career? I think that would be a typical Knicks move that maybe they did 10 years ago. But realistically, I do like R.J. Barrett. I do like some of the young talent that they have. So you can't get much worse, but I do think the Knicks are also on the up-and-coming in the next few years. So who knows? Maybe that's just the Knicks fan in me trying to be positive. But, yeah, uh, it's it's been a rough three decades now of being a Knicks fan. Well, what it is, and the, because look, everybody loves your, the young players on your team. They're homegrown. There are guys, you grow with them, you watch them, you're invested in them. You love it. You love that. And the Knicks have finally, at least they look like some young players that have some talent. Now, unfortunately, with the head coach they have, I don't know how much we're going to see of them. <laughs> okay. But what you see in R.J. Barrett, and I don't know if R.J. Barrett's reached the ceiling or he hasn't reached the ceiling. I don't know. The one thing I do know about him is for right now, you see that every year he works on something and every year he gets a little better. And so, you know, as a fan, that's what you respect. As a fan, that's what you want to see your players do. 
Which is New York's biggest sports rivalry? Well, right now in the leadoff spot, we have the Islanders Rangers at 48.5%. Let's do that hockey. Next, we have Mets Yankees at 42%. Then we have Knicks Nets at 5.1%. And New last, York, we here. And last, Giants Jets at 4.4%. We are the Giants. And what is so interesting about that is football is by far number one sports in America. Okay? Everybody loves football. Okay? Soccer's building. And by the fact of the World Cup being held in, in MetLife and 15 other cities in the States, that's, that's a good thing. That adds more popularity to it. And there was a discussion with um, the Michael K. crew yesterday about how MLS has signed a big-time contract with Apple TV Plus to have some games. So MLS is banking on that, trying to once again go after that younger audience, a streaming audience, and figuring that that's going to be the way that they can build some, you know, some some fanship. But for Giants-Jets, I mean, they both have been so bad over the past couple of years, I expected that's why they're not a rival. They've both been bad. I mean, they've both been really bad. And when you think about it, I mean, <laughs> the Giants have been other than this stretch, before this stretch. I mean, they were at least a competitive team. They were at least a team that had sustainable success. They were at least a team that got to the postseason, and they won two Super Bowls recently, relatively speaking, recently. All right? And the Jets just keep trying to find a way, and, you know, the Rex Ryan, those back-to-back -back years were great for Jets and Jet fans. It was great because you your team was relevant. Your team was fighting for a championship. Your team was in the mix. Your team was, you know, playing well. Your team was showing what they were made of. And then you go on the stretch where you don't make the postseason since then. And so I understand why Giants-Jets would be last in the New York rivals. I do. Because what do you... What trash talking can, can a Jet fan do to a Giant fan and vice versa? Our offensive line is worse than yours. Well, they goes, what? What can you say? Is That's how bad it's been. That's why for right now, it is so refreshing to have two teams, baseball teams, winning and doing well. Normally, at this time of the year, we're either talking about, usually we're talking about one baseball team, the Yankees. And we're like, well, let's do some Jets and Giant talk as they go to the training camp in a couple of months. <laughs> that's what it's been, but not this year. And that's a good thing. That's a good thing. Right now, Islanders Rangers leading the way. Mets Yankees second. So you have a chance to vote. And give us your thoughts on what you think is going on. Let's go to the phones. 1-800-919-3776. Richard is in Manhattan. Richard, you're next. Hi, Larry. Larry the, the biggest rivalry has to be Rangers uh, uh, Islanders because it's the oldest, the longest. And they're always playing five, six, eight games a year. You know, Yankees-Mets evolved in the 90s. Knicks-Nets, you know, Nets were in the ABA later on, NBA. But not really a rivalry. And uh, football, how often did the Jets and Giants play? So it's really not, you know, it's got to be Islanders and Rangers. They're, that's an intense, especially the game of hockey, the way it is. It's an intense game, and mm -hmm. those games are the you know, biggest rivalry. Anyway, as far as the Celtic game tonight, yes, Larry, game six at home. If the Celtics lose, and I'm no lover of Boston, I hate it, but I grew up with Bill Russ. I hated the Celtics and their obnoxious fans and their players and all that. And I hate the Celtics, you know, as much as any New Yorker. But I like these guys. I like the Celtics, these guys. I like all these guys, Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. I like these guys. But the Celtics cannot lose tonight because it will take the flavor of the whole season out of it. When you lose game six at home, that is such a bad taste in your mouth. Now, if they, lose, if they win tonight and lose Game 7, to me, that's almost like winning. Because when you lose Game 7 away from home, 
that's almost an impossible task, especially in basketball, where home court is important. So if they lose Sunday night, I would I would say their season was very successful still. But you lose tonight, game six at home, with your fans giving you the boost, that leaves a bad taste in your mouth. So they've got a lot of pressure on them, Boston, tonight. Really, they got because they really haven't been playing that well. Even no. though on paper they are the better team, they're younger, stronger, bigger. But they may not be better, but, you know, they still look better on paper. So they got to win tonight. And me as a fan, I want to see a Game 7 Sunday night. Father's Day? Of course you do. Are you, are you kidding? <laughs> Coming home Sunday night, watching a game like that? Larry, always a pleasure. Thanks. All right, same here, Richard. Thanks for the phone call. It's um, Listen, uh, what Richard said is true. It is. It, it, it would be a heartbreaker to lose a Game 6 in your building. And what he says is true on paper. They're younger. They're 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 more athletic. They're bigger. But they haven't been here before. And we keep saying it over and over and over again. There's something about the experience of having won, having gone through the fire of getting to that championship, and knowing what it takes. And I'm just going to give you a small example of what I mean. And this is just a minimal example, minimal example. I was embedded with the Nets, 2001, 2002. All right, so remember, first year, uh, Kenya Martin gets drafted by them, 2000, and Byron Scott's the new head coach, and, you know, they struggle. All right, the Nets get Jason Kidd, okay? Uh, The first year they go to the NBA Finals, they get swept by the Lakers. Next year, they go back, and they ended up losing in six to San Antonio. But when I was, and I remember this conversation like it was yesterday, I spoke with Kerry Kittles, and Kerry Kittles said, this year, the finals, going to the finals, meaning when he went against San Antonio, he said, was so much different than the first time going with the Lakers. It's about managing your interview time. It's about managing these things, doing this, taking, understanding that, and doing different, different little things that you just don't experience and you don't understand it unless you've been here. And then once you've experienced it, you know how to deal with it the second time when you get back. And we were lucky to get back. And so it's a little easier for us to deal with. We know what to expect. And that's, God, what, 20 years ago? Wasn't a whole lot of TikToking then. Wasn't a whole lot of tweeting then. Wasn't a whole lot of social media, right? So just just think of that multiplied, his statement multiplied by a thousand with all the social media obligations and all the other things that you have to do. So yeah, it's it's that sometimes is the great equalizer, right? That sometimes is the big difference in trying to solidify a championship. And it's about, for for Boston, it's been about not making plays in the fourth quarter. That's what it's been about. It's come down to that. They've been in every game except one. They've been in every game. They've been, they've been there, right, with a shot and a chance to win. And they've missed free throws. They've turned the basketball over. They've stood around and watched players. They've argued with officials. They've done everything possible to lose these games. And they have in the fourth quarter. So can they find a way to win? Can they, can they find a way to play well tonight and deal with it? Can they find a way to do that and force a seventh in the deciding game? I mean, they're talented enough to do it. They're well coached enough to do it. Can they execute and do it? That's the question. Naul is in the Bronx. Naul, you're next on 987 ESPN. Hey, what's going on, guys? Uh, been listening for a long time, and uh, this is the first time I've ever gone through, so I'm uh, pretty nervous and excited at the same time. <laughs> oh, calm down. You'll be fine. Don't be nervous. You're yeah, fine. So you're doing great. My, uh, my personal take on this is the rivalry. Me, as a Yankee fan, and including my brother and our nine best friends, everybody else, a Mets fan. It's it's always been like the Subway Series. Once the Mets would beat the Yankees, that's their claim to fame for the year. And I'm like, this is what's wrong because you're so focused on beating the Yankees, you're not focused on October baseball. So on, from a personal point, it's just always 
Mets, Yankees, Mets, Yankees, Mets, Yankees. Even though we've always been relevant, haven't won a chip in a while, but it's for me that's the biggest rivalry is is, is Yankees Mets. Okay, no, I hear what you're saying. Thanks for the phone call. And once again, as we said earlier, that's what it's about, right? It's about those conversations you have with friends. That's what really, you know, fuels these rivalries. And in some cases, Naul, to be fair, the Mets were out of it. That, that's what it was about. Sometimes that was a, a good part of the season, depending on when they faced the Yankees. And Interleague has kind of spiced it up a little bit more. Because you do have a chance to face them one-on-one. I mean, a, a thousand years ago, it used to have the Mayor's Trophy game that they played each other before the season started. But now with, with interleague play, yeah, you have that situation where you get to face them. And what, nobody's talking about it right now. But it's, it's, it's going to be an interesting situation to see how they perform when they meet each other this year. Because both teams are playing really well. So you kind of you kind of look forward to that battle between the two of the best teams in baseball right now. And they are among the top teams in baseball. There's no question they are. Yankees definitely are. I mean the best record. That's all you need to know. That says it all. At I am Doonzy says the narrative about Nick Van celebrating with reckless abandon is an exaggeration. They went to the NBA Finals as an eighth seed, and they strike short in season, and the city is still standing unless the World Trade terrorists were Nick fans. Here's what we're saying, I am doozy. The Knicks hadn't been to the, as one of the other tweeters mentioned, the Knicks had not been to the playoffs since 2013. When they won the first game against Atlanta, they were yelling and screaming up and down 7th Avenue. They were yelling and screaming up and down 7th Avenue. So it's not an exaggeration. It's a it, it's it's how Nick fans are. And it's because of the fact that they hadn't been to the postseason in a while. See, this wasn't the 90s where the Knicks were there every year. Okay? This wasn't that's, that's not what this was. This was, oh, this is what the playoffs are like. Oh, it's great to be back in the playoffs. So it was it was a celebration. So they were just happy to be back. They were ecstatic. They were walking up and down the middle of the street, 7th Avenue, because they hadn't been there. So, you know, even, in, even when you talk about when they made the 8th seed, as an 8th seed and get to the finals, they had been to the playoffs. The playoffs were a regular thing for the Knicks in that decade of the 90s. It was a regular thing. That's what sustainable success looked like to them. Okay, this is this is not that. <laughs> I guarantee you, this is not what we call sustainable success. This is ESPN New York Tonight with Larry Hardesty and Gordon Damer on 98.7 ESPN.